Hello, and welcome to the Embodying Change podcast. This is Melissa Patati. We're here to change our experience of power, culture, and well-being in aid organizations, and we want to better meet the core humanitarian standard. Have you seen this video called When You Picture Doctors Without Borders? What do you see? It got a lot of attention in the humanitarian community, and I wanted to know the story behind it and how it is being received today. I reached out to MSF Norway, and I've been very um, happy to be able to talk with three people involved in the production of that video. Dr. Chinonso Emanuela Kori, an MSF doctor living in Rwanda who recently completed a mission to Yemen. Lindis Horun, the Director General of MSF Norway. And Ryan Roderick Beiler, who's a multimedia producer for MSF Norway. Please check out the show notes uh, if you would like to learn more and catch a link to the video. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. All right, so I'd like to welcome to the podcast, we have Dr. Chinonso Emanuel Akori, Lindis Hurum, and Ryan Beiler. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for all coming. I have to say, I just watched the video again. Um, it's a video entitled, When You Picture MSF, or Doctors Without Borders, What Do You See? And again, I was moved. It's such a good quality video and it's making waves in the humanitarian sector and I immediately wanted to reach out to the people involved with making that video to learn more about it. So um, thank you all for agreeing to come on the podcast and share your experience with us. Um, maybe to start, um, could we have each of you introduce yourselves for those who might not be familiar? Maybe we start with Dr. Emanuel. Would you like to introduce yourself? Thank you, Melissa. Happy to be here with uh, all of us. Uh, my name is Chinonso Emmanuel Okorie. I'm a humanitarian uh, worker. Of course, I work with uh, Doctors Without Borders. I am Nigerian, but I live in Rwanda. I just returned back from a mission in Yemen. It's always a pleasure to to be with the team I am with now. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. And how about Lindis? Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi. I'm very happy to be here as well. Sam Lindis. I'm currently the general director of MSF. So MSF is Doctors Without Borders. Well, I think I'm going to use MSF a lot. So uh, MSF Norway. Um, and that I am also a field worker. I've been uh, 15 years working in uh, in the field with uh, with MSF. Um, with more than 25 uh, different assignments in uh, mainly emergencies and forgotten crisis. I am a communication, I had a communication background. I'm not a medical. Thank you. And in the video, which we will share in the show notes, you and Dr. Emmanuel both were featured. So I'd like to also invite Ryan. Yes, thanks. My name is Ryan Beiler. I've been working with MSF Norway for a bit over seven years. And I am uh, grew up in the United States, but now I'm a double citizen living in Oslo for about eight years. Wonderful. Nice to meet you all three. So you kindly agreed in advance who we could pose which questions to. And the first question that comes to my mind when I watch the video is why did MSF Norway decide to make this video? Um, it's a video, and in the show notes you'll see. Maybe you can even say a few words about the video. It's quite impressive. Uh, maybe turn to Lindis for that one. 
Yeah, so the process to make this video is, is, is closely linked to the fact that MSF, the Norwegian section of MSF, we were awarded or given the opportunity to have this big fundraising event here in Norway, which is known by most the Norwegian. It's been running for 48 years. Um, it's an event that takes place uh, uh, on a specific day in October, where literally uh, all houses in Norway are visited by someone knocking on their door asking if they want to contribute to the organization that has been chosen. So uh, this year it was us. We were really happy about that, of course. Uh, and um, in addition to the to the money that this will raise for for our work and our patients, it's a huge information and awareness campaign, which is one of the main reasons we also uh, want apply to to be one of the of to get it. Uh, and then with that comes a good opportunity to say something um, important. Uh, and MSF was founded by doctors and journalists, and we have given ourselves a double mandate of the life-saving medical act, but also speaking out and, uh, um, on what we see. And, uh, and, and this, this time we were focusing on forgotten uh, crisis and forgotten uh, patients and neglected diseases, as we many times do. Um, but we know, uh, as I have a communication background and Ryan is also a communication professional, the image is so much uh, more powerful than, than what we say. And in this campaign, uh, <clears throat> there is uh, the campaign poster and uh, it has a massive uh, exposure. Uh, it will, if you live in Norway, especially if you live in a city, you, you will not, uh, you have to be exposed to that, to that picture. Mm -hmm. um, so we started by looking what we what did we do last time we had this organization we had this campaign and it was 16 years ago, mm -hmm. in 2006, uh, and we saw the poster we used back then and it was striking how um, how it was like spot on white terrorism uh, imagery. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a it was a documentary photo taken on the actual um, situation in Somalia. Uh, where a malnourished uh, child was taking was in medical care with a white Norwegian doctor. Mm -hmm. So it was true, <laughs> and it was linked to um, to our work, uh, and, and we used it. And back then, uh, it made sense. Um, we, as an organization, and also the society, was used to that kind. That's how we communicated, especially linked to to fundraising. Um, and uh, it went really well the the campaign that that time as well. Um, and but for us now with the 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 lens that we're looking through now, watching looking at that poster, we were immediately sure that we would of course not go uh, choosing the same. Uh, no doubt, uh, both in the fundraising and marketing department, uh, everyone in MSF nowhere were just sure we're not going to use that kind of picture because we have since then. Uh, matured uh, in in this issue, uh, and what, what created that awareness? It's a uh, it's a mix of, of, of several things. Uh, it's um, it's it's how also society in general has become more aware of these issues. It's about some people being vocal here in in Norway or elsewhere, and then it was also as the rest of the world we had an awakening as an organization uh, after the George Floyd. Um, uh, but what, there was an awakening and we have had really um, some painful and some difficult conversations internally 
after that. Um, but it has then um, made very positive change from my perspective, at least. There's still a lot of work that needs to be done on many levels uh, linked to that. But we are today saying that we as as uh, other organizations and, and the world, we, we also have issues with structural raci- racism. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, for me, going into this role uh, as uh, applying to be general director of MSF Norway after 15 years as a field worker, one of my motivation was actually to 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 join uh, the the people who wanted to see that change. Uh, and then this came with a big good opportunity to do that in our home society. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we just said that this is. Uh, we have to use this opportunity. We will be given a really big microphone and all Norwegians will get these messages. What is then the message to choose? It's definitely not the white doctor saving mm-hmm. uh, an African child. Let's move away from that. Uh, and then was the question, should we then use just the patient? Because, of course, the patient is and should be at the center of, of all our storytelling. Mm-hmm. But the, the, then we have a, the... The discussion around that is also problematic because how do you actually get informed consent mm-hmm. uh, from a patient for that kind of exposure? Mm. We ask our, all our patients of, of consent to take the picture, but and many patients really want us to t- tell their story. Mm-hmm. But then this this is just to give you an idea the exposure that this picture has. It is on uh, outside of the buses. It's like covered outside of the buses running mm-hmm. in the streets of Oslo. It has like two 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 by four meters uh, posters in subway mm-hmm. stations. It's online. It's in newspapers. It's like literally everywhere. So how can you actually get informed consent for that kind of um, usage? So we okay. Let's move away from patients and let's not use a child because again, do not mm-hmm. uh, use the most. This is. The most used narrative for fundraising is, is often a child because mm-hmm. we are tapping into people's emotions and some bad conscience. Uh, and and we, we said, no, let's not do that. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so there's not a patient. And then, then it just became obvious after those discussions. Okay, so it's a doctor and it's, uh, it, it's uh, someone who represents uh, our, di- our diverse workforce, uh, yes. which we so... We don't really focus enough on uh, in and now I'm talking about Norwegians as how mm-hmm. how we in Norway do it. And having worked in 15 years in the field, mm-hmm. this is of course what's I am really aware of that, and it's one of my biggest motivation to continue doing this work is because I do it shoulder by shoulder, hand in hand with with the people who are themselves mm-hmm. living in the crisis. Um, and then um, I remember the very contagious smile of. Uh, Dr. Emmanuel and uh, I thought that maybe that could be a good idea and then you could really get informed consent and I can explain to him why and how this this come about and he could also then physically come to Norway. So uh, he physically came to Norway. He did. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah. So um, it was a lo- I'm taking a long time but it, it it's I think it's a bit important to give uh, the context because it didn't start with the movie. It, it didn't start, start with me. No, it started with this campaign and this picture. And then uh, with Ryan, we had been discussing uh, that we wanted to make this picture. We wanted to make this kind of movie because of that picture. And just to be honest about the challenges we have. Initially, we wanted also to have, have it even broader in, in scope and tackling also 
the more uh, the, the issues with structural racism on different levels. Uh, and then Ryan can explain a bit more why we ended up with having one message and focusing on white saviorism. But mm -hmm. why we ended up doing the, the video the way we did was because mm -hmm. um, as we then decided that this is the picture we're going with, this is the narrative and this is the man who's going to front be the spokesperson of our campaign, I had to convince um, the agency uh, the, you did. That, that we've hired and the people, some of the people who do this campaign every year uh, because they said it was not a good idea. Mm -hmm. uh, like what I say in the video is a mm -hmm. direct quote from them saying, you will raise less money. You will raise less money. Yes. So you had some you yeah. had some choices going into this after you had some newfound thinking after George Floyd is a we continue as usual because it seems to work well in terms of fundraising. B we change the narrative from white saverism, we change our videos or C we actually change plus we admit in public <laughs> <laughs> that there are some things we used to do we don't want to do anymore. So you not only pivoted your approach, but you also, in public, in a sense, spoke openly about some of your thinking, which I have to say a lot of humanitarian organizations are afraid to do because to admit anything that means you're not perfect is a scary thing to do. So um, when we saw the, and I'm not talking about me personally, I'm talking about people all around the sector. When we saw this video, when you picture MSF, what do you see? Um, a lot of humanitarian organizations, staff were saying, this is something we were also um, struggling with. And we, we've been talking about it internally, but we haven't exposed that um, dilemma to the public. So you have done that in this video. So I'd like to turn now to Ryan. Tell us more about yeah. what was the process like? So um, sort of picking up from what Linda said about that this was, um, it was really about this moment, this larger than usual national platform we had, this this opportunity to, to really say something uh, different. But the, so that was the moment that the timing was right, but that moment was informed by a long period of conversation up until then. So we referenced already the murder of George Floyd and the reflection and um, awakening that uh, Linda's mentioned. And part of that for us here in, in Norway, um, and, I don't, you know, slight digression, but MSF is might seem to most people like one big myth monolithic organization, but it in fact is made up of many uh, smaller moving parts, could we say. And uh, so our uh, members here in Norway uh, initiated or, uh, yeah, co or how can I say it, organized conversations with our colleagues in uh, East Africa that fall following the George Floyd murder. And we discussed different aspects of what we as MSF needed to change. And we had talked about different ways different employees are treated and as Linda has already mentioned different issues in terms of structural racism but we also talked about the stories we tell the images we use the way we portray the countries we work in and the people that work in them and so coming out of those conversations we had some action items and some key ones for us as a comms team 
were having to do with representation, white saviorism, patient dignity. How are we going to change the way we do these things? We had talked, you know, even for, you know, probably almost as long as that last uh, poster from 2006 about how we don't want to be white saviors. We, you know, don't want to do poverty porn, but always very much about good intentions, very little accountability, very little shared definitions of what, you know, what's acceptable and what's what's not. So this was a, a moment in history. I think everyone was trying to rise to the occasion and really, really do things differently. But we have the challenge in Norway, and I think it's probably true in other majority white societies where um, we may be committed to diversity and anti-racism, but we see the different results that our communications have. So a good example we've used is that we had a white doctor talking about doing search and rescue work in the Mediterranean. It went viral. He told a very moving story about a family he worked with, um, the, what they had gone through in their journey from their home country to Libya to being rescued on the Mediterranean. Viral. Massive results. And then maybe about a year later, we had almost the exact same story told by somebody who experienced it personally. Who's not a white doctor. Who <laughs> is just uh, the, the, you know, a, a real person who, who experienced uh, that, uh, you know, both tragedy and the, the drama of being rescued, mm-hmm. but with much lower results. Mm. And so, you know, the way I've, talked about it here in our team is, you know, we can make excuses for why one film does better than the other, mm-hmm. or we can make changes to try and actually reach our audience. Mm. So instead, we, you know, we could keep making the films that we say are quote unquote effective, mm-hmm. um, using uh, the, the faces and voices that our audience responds to most easily, or we could take kind of maybe make a moral statement by just mm-hmm. using uh, more diverse spokespeople, even if the results are less. Mm-hmm. But why not try something new that tries to subvert those expectations? So we we started experimenting a bit with this concept I call the duet. Oh, uh, we did it. Please tell uh, us about the duet. Yeah, so that's I mean that's what you see in the film with Lindis and Dr. Uh-huh. Manuel. Mm-hmm. But we you know I tried it <laughs> before with mixed results on the film about the the climate crisis. Uh-huh. But you know the idea is. Um, to really emphasize principles of solidarity, common humanity, mm-hmm. that we're struggling together, mm-hmm. side by side, as Linda said earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but that we're not, it's not uh, some kind of uh, all lives matter false symmetry. It's, you know, we're acknowledging that we're using those of us with privilege or using the privilege we have mm-hmm. to speak to an important issue. And we're also trying to raise voices that have been historically underrepresented. So, you know, like I said, that film had mixed results. I won't go into mm-hmm. the details. And then we really wanted to get it right this time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started the process early, working on a script with a colleague uh, based in Kenya. Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> long story short, she became ill. Oh, no. And we couldn't continue. And so then we made the first version of this film was in Norwegian for our own audience prior to this campaign and it was just Lindis and it was a bit of tension you know does it make sense to continue with just the white spokesperson mm-hmm. isn't is it 
isn't it a bit of a contradiction to use, you know, a, you could say a white savior to criticize mm-hmm. white saviorism? Is that not the? Mm-hmm. But you know, we 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 from conversations within, uh, you know, within our own movement, we knew that it was also important for people of privilege to do their own work. Yeah. And you know, I, I'll even yeah, there was well there the. There was an anti-racism initiative within MSF that one of the conclusions was, and I'll just even read it word for word. Another challenge has been incentivizing those who possess power and privilege in MSF to do the work, introspect and challenge their own comfort and privilege. Additionally, we must be mindful not to place the responsibility or burden mm-hmm. on BIPOC staff for doing this work. Absolutely. So we felt like we were on relatively solid ground to mm-hmm. proceed in that way. Mm-hmm knowing that we have our own limitations. And so because of that, we did a fairly broad consultation after we had our first draft. Mm-hmm. And we have those credits at the end of the film, the people we spoke with and their leaders. I saw of, that. Yeah. yeah. You got a lot of different was, people credited. We felt that was important. At the same time, there was a bit of, uh, you could say, tension around, well, we don't usually list all the people involved in a project. Why are we doing it this time? Is that blackwashing to cover our asses because we're you know no if you know and it was in consultation with these individuals they they agreed it was important to show that we had we had um reached out so you know leaders of diversity equity inclusion initiatives within msf leaders of anti-racism projects within msf and like i said it's a big organization with lots of moving parts so there's lots of initiatives here and there and of course it's nobody speaking monolithically so you can't just ask uh one or two people we tried to keep it broad um but people that we knew were committed on some level to this Mm -hmm. movement and whether it's Mm -hmm. dei anti-racism decolonizing um Mm -hmm. people that we spoke to were active um in all of those um streams so we and we changed the script based on their their input um you know radically they were very uh, encouraging um mm-hmm. but of course there were nuances that needed mm-hmm. to change mm-hmm. and uh and so that's how we move forward the next question which was uh about the reception to this video because mm-hmm. i've had people in my orbit who are looking at power and culture and aid it's almost i don't know i don't want to call it schadenfreude it's like we're really hoping that you succeed with this video. <laughs> mm. Mm. There's a lot of people hoping this video succeeds. So um, I wonder if, if Lindis and Dr. Emanuel would like to talk about the reception to this video. What have you been hearing? What has been the response? Like Ryan explained, first we made a Norwegian version. So I speak in Norwegian, the exact same script, but in Norwegian, which we posted in right before uh, this fundraising event that I was explaining about. Um, and we had a, a short discussion in, internally about the timing. Should we do it after the event or should we do it before? Uh, and, and we, we wanted to do it before and we did it before because I understood we need to be explicit about it because people, based on the conversation I had of the people, the agency and the others who were against it, I realized that it, it's not enough just showing. We have to show and tell. Uh, and we need to do it before the event because then it has maybe a certain level of risk, and we were okay to take that risk. So the the movie or the video is not, uh, it was not to promote the uh, fundraising event. Uh, it, it's the other way around, actually. We wanted to use the moment of the 
event to promote the change that we think is vitally important, both in NSF, but in the humanitarian sector in general and in society even. This was bigger than the event. It was even bigger than NSF. So that's why we, we, we went it. And then we were not sure, could not be sure about the reception. Maybe the majority of Norwegian would think like those marketing uh, guys. Luckily, that was not the case. It was a 100% positive reception in the Norwegian, uh, by a Norwegian audience. Being our the existing donors who some of them spontaneously raised their uh, uh, monthly uh, <laughs> donation, um, we got positive feedback from other NGOs. Um, uh, we got positive feedback from prominent anti-racist uh, activists in Norway. And that was, of course, really encouraging. I was interviewed also by Norwegian media. We, we, we managed to create some posts. And then uh, we had it subtitled just to share it with uh, uh, Ryan shared it with communication um, colleagues in, in, in the MSF uh, movement. And the response was so also positive. And there was a quite immediate, immediate request from several, can you please make it in fully in, in English, not just subtitle. And then as we were so lucky to have uh, our main uh, uh, spokesperson coming to Norway, being with us uh, for a week, uh, then that's when we made the, the English version. And then that has also been really well received. I did not expect it to be uh, so uh, kind of viral, I think, in our uh, humanitarian world, at least. It's been shared many times, thousands of times on, on LinkedIn. I get feedback from uh, my colleagues in, uh, in various countries uh, where I work to, who receive it on their WhatsApp. I get feedback from a lot of other organizations. Uh, I also heard that BBC has shown it apparently uh, to their um, to their um, journalists to have a discussion. And I'm yeah, of course that's uh, that's not why we made it initially. But if that can create meaningful conversations uh, um, inside and outside of MSF, that's uh, more than I could hope for. And of course, there's also been some um, some negative uh, feedback, some mm. some uh, constructive uh, criticism, and I welcome all of that as well. This is not mm. the perfect video. Um, there are a lot of other issues that we still need to to to, to tackle, and um, yeah, I, I just welcome any conversation that uh, we can have around these issues. Uh, and if our video can uh, mm. can uh, inform and uh, inspire and provoke, uh, yeah, very good. Sorry, I wasn't so brief. No, so, wonderful. Really <laughs> it's so interesting. You're so open-minded to the positive and negative. I think it was 2009. Anyways, we were doing something on interfaith dialogue, and I got a lot of on Twitter. I got a lot, I got some hate tweets. I don't know if that's a phrase. <laughs> hate tweets, and um, it made me nervous to do things in public to get criticism. But it sounds like you're quite. Um, you've got your kind of alerts on to the positive and maybe the negative, but constructive there. So that's really great to hear that you've kind of put yourself out there and you're um, looking at the feedback there. Um, mm -hmm. Dr. Emanuel, how, how was the reception from your perspective? Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, take note of my laughter anyway, because that's, that is, it's been amazing, beginning from even the Norwegian version. I remember very clearly I had to munch some of the comments, and uh, I got across to Lindis, and uh, 
of course she she didn't have enough time because she was so busy so i had to go in touch with her to show her how people are receive, receiving it now i'm if you permit me i'm going to um uh, i'm going to read something very important and uh, somebody said thank you so much i am now an even prouder monthly donor to this um, amazing organization this was before the campaign. Now, amongst other amazing uh, comments that people were really making. So what she said about it having a 100% positive reception before the campaign is really very, very true, amongst other things. Now, after the campaign, permit uh, me, I like to really um, use very uh, straight examples. You know, the truth is, this is a video that is causing a mindset shift around that is resonating with people's thoughts you know that they were just waiting for who is going to make the shift first that's what it more or less looks like when you look through the comments and there was something somebody wrote she wrote something she's an executive director in her organization she said love the message to the world Will African doctors on a poster be compelling for, your, for you to give? Just because of this post, I will give to MSF. This is someone who has never before been a donor to MSF, becoming part of those who will be donating to MSF just because of this. But the real thing here is that it is making waves beyond uh, the... Um, it's it's been a global torch because you could see people in different organizations, UN, within other humanitarian sectors, you know, really, really being positive about what impact that the video is um, is making. So for me, it's largely a positive one. Of course, it is normal to have some persons, you know, ask some questions, uh, and those questions are normal. We need those feedbacks. To know what to follow up and what to do next. So that's just uh, the few things I will add to what uh, Lindis have said already. Thank you. That's so brilliant. I love that so much. I'm thinking about the comments you've had because of this poster. I want to invest, even I haven't done it before. It seems like there's something. When I was watching the video before we went on, I was watching it again um, before we went on. I was so moved because it really gave homage to the people working for Doctors Without Borders around the world, people based in different countries from different contexts who are bringing um, skills and expertise. Uh, and it just showed, in a way, um, the depth and breadth of the workforce that you have. Um, I think it's so powerful, uh, and I'm really glad you were able to – feature that because I, I in the core humanitarian standard we have a whole commitment eight which is all about well-managed staff and volunteers we're all about um, the workforce and we know that um, humanitarian support is so critical and it can't be done um, in piecemeal it has to be done in solidarity so thank you for featuring that you have such a diverse workforce and another commitment in this core humanitarian standard is number seven. That's about we're improving our delivery based on learning and reflection. So my last question to you three, and I, and I think I'll start with Lindis and Dr. Emanuel, 
this video that we see, it's it's very well produced, but it came a lot came before it, as you have just described, and a lot has come after it, as you've just described. If you look at the experience as a whole, what learning would you like to share? And here I'm really interested in what you'd like to share with other humanitarians who are also having to think about how they communicate their work. It's a very um, competitive environment. We have a lot of resource constraints. There's a lot of challenges in the media about things, how things are portrayed. Um, are there some key learnings that you could distill for us? Who would like to start? Key learnings, uh, just do it. <laughs> no, it was, um, because it's easy maybe to overthink in life in general, but also especially linked to, to, to issues like this, which mm-hmm. are, uh, difficult, seems maybe more difficult than they are. And there's a large uh, part of vulnerability, I think, involved as well that you have to be comfortable showing um and if you overthink too much then we would never have done the videos because you wanted it if you wanted to be perfect or you wanted to make the the most uh, accurate uh, right message maybe you'll never make it so i think it's if there's a, yeah just just dare to to be honest and and vulnerable and uh see what happens then uh, because that uh, you have to put something out that is is maybe a bit controversial or that does touch uh, the heart on some level because that's how you provoke some change. Uh, if the video didn't have uh, the massive, luckily, <laughs> positive impact, I mean, that is spurring a conversation. The voices who are critical to the video, that's also a reaction. So the action is creating a reaction. But if you, if you put out something that is rather bleak or just like just another video, uh, to fundraise money, um, you don't create change. So you have to be, be comfortable to have the uncomfortable conversations and um, be open to that. And especially when you're talking about racism and anti-racism, there's a lot of lived hurt and people who have uh, bad experiences within MFF or in life in general. In, so there's a lot of emotions and not to be afraid of that. Uh, to have the leave the space for people to have those reactions if, if it's anger or if it's sadness or just you have to acknowledge put it out there so that they have a space to express uh how they feel and uh yeah i could say that lo- i could say a lot more but um <laughs> emmanuel go ahead ah okay i think uh lindy's have um, said a lot and Vulnerability, it's really something she highlighted that is very important for me to still take from, from it. I think the key lesson is that organizations just need to know that it is okay to be vulnerable and enjoy the learning, the reflections and telling the truth that is coming from the, from the reflections we are having. And uh, using this to also engage with people because people are real people. People are not always moved by packaging. Uh, Packaging is good and it's been a culture, but we need to come out of the packaging culture and begin to be real. Let's let's engage with people. People are seen through us. Um, So we should be able to see through ourselves and tell people that we are seeing ourselves and that we are correcting ourselves, that we are learning from uh, the mistakes of our past. And that is one thing. And uh, one other thing is also is that the humanitarian sector is built 
on principles and humanity is number one. And humanity is about upholding and elevating and protecting the dignity of people. And the way we speak about people, um, we, we need to also demonstrate that we are faithful to the principles of humanity, which is about dignifying the people we are serving. And uh, this is something MSF has been able to say, this is what we are committed to. And that um, having deviated from this somewhat in the past, we are correcting it. And others need to copy from this and needs to, we need to, it's going to be a learning journey, a long learning journey, but we need to, more people need to do it. And, as, and with time, organization needs to talk with each other and ask what lessons are you learning? How are you going about it? And then we can all change the way we communicate, the way we advocate, the way we engage and um I strongly believe that this is really a very, a very important um, wave that has been generated, which uh, needs to keep, you know, people need to open up to it. And uh, I, what, one thing I would not forget to say is that reading through the comments, you can see that people in communications, advocacy, and management in other organizations are the ones who are making the comments. So it truly means that there are talks ongoing all over. So, and I think everyone who has learned lesson through this process, mm -hmm. that should continue to take the discussion further and also continue to make the change that we are making within us to, mm -hmm. um, you know, in their own area so that ultimately we can change the world together. I think that's oh. all I can do. Wow. What a way to end the interview. Fantastic. I was um, talking to someone with the Leading Well Project, a CEO from a very well-known NGO, and she said, we want to make the change, but we don't want to take the leap alone. We want to take it together. So it's always very helpful when organizations, especially ones with the prestige of yours, take the leap. And that creates space for people, like you're saying, who are commenting from the communications department. Look what they did. Maybe we can do something similar. So it's about... Um, creating the path and then allowing others to follow and sharing the learning. So I want to thank you three for helping us as we think through in the CHS Alliance, how can we show more compassion in promoting dignity with more accountability, with more equity and more solidarity? Thank you for, for having us and, and creating this space uh, to, for us to, to explain uh, the story behind Mm -hmm. uh, my, maybe I would just say if someone is still um, hesitant to do it, um, the, the nice end to, to our story here in Norway was that that fundraising event and campaign made record results. Uh, so um, if anyone thinks that we cannot use uh, a more diverse uh, storytelling, and um, they, they're, they're wrong. <laughs> Uh, because uh, the, at least uh, that's what our event uh, proved that the audience is also ready for a different storytelling. Brilliant. Well done to Dr. Emmanuel Lindis Ryan. We're so glad to have you to tell your story and we're going to be rooting for you as you go forward and wanting to reconnect as we and others are trying to um, evolve our approaches on here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.
You've been listening to Melissa Pitati in conversation with Dr. Chinunzo Emanuel Akori, Linda Sorun, and Ryan Roderick Byler. I want to thank them so much for sharing their time and insights. A big thanks also to our editors, Yada Abayid, the CHS Alliance members, and everyone who's been supporting this initiative. We'll soon be back with another episode exploring embodying change. Till then, take care and be compassionate with yourself.